0: We're continuing a message series this morning that we began last week. The Bible doesn't say that. And the catchphrase that we're dealing with today is one that I'm sure many of you know, that many of you have used at some point in your life. And that is, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. You know, we're all familiar with this. I remember when I was in high school on the football team. And in this particular year, we were a little bit of an arrogant team. And we were picking on and making fun of guys that played in another sport that I will just not mention. And we were getting pretty nasty with it. In fact, we were, we were name-calling and saying mean things in the hallways. As we drove past their practices, we would roll down the window and yell things out at them. And it was really becoming a problem, so much so that their coach came to our coach and said, this needs to stop. And I'll never forget in spring training, we're in the weight room right after school. And our coach walks into the weight room and he tells us, guys, listen. I've been torn of this situation and I am mad about it. Of course, he used some other words. <laughs> he said, I have a list of names. And I'm not going to tell you who they are. But I'm going to be sitting in my office for the next hour. And if you have been involved in this in any way, I want you to come to my office and I want you to fess up and tell me why. And if you do not come to my office by four o'clock, and if your name is on that list and you don't come to my office, you are off this team. I don't care who you are, what grade you're in, or who you are on this team, you're done. And they went to his office. And over the next hour, just about every person on that football team walked to his office. And I'll never forget as I walked to his office and I just hear him yell, Bill, you too? Oh, no, am I not on the list? I'm good. I'm good. But he taught me a lesson that day. See, my words mattered. What I did mattered. Who I represented made a difference. And in that moment, I wasn't representing well. You see, our words make a big difference difference. And we all tend to struggle with our words at times, with controlling what we say and also how we say it. That's why this catchphrase has become such a trend in our society. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does not say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. In fact, by all accounts, this catchphrase came to be by a little bunny named Thumper. And Bambi. You know, there in that show, in that old, old cartoon Disney movie, Bambi was struggling walking and fell down. And you can hear Thumper say, Well, he can't walk really good, can he? And Thumper's mom told him, Thumper, what did your dad tell you this morning? And Thumper says, If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. And so the catchphrase became a part of our society. And I know every one of you wants to go home and watch Bambi now. (laughs) But the Bible doesn't say that. But the Bible has a lot to say about the words you use and how you use them. The closest thing the Bible says to this catchphrase is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, when the Apostle Paul wrote these words, avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And that's the real struggle that we have, is we tend to use bad talk, and we tear people down, rather than talk that builds people up. You see, the point with all this is, what comes out of your mouth matters. It matters. It makes a significant difference what comes out of your mouth. And this is not about stopping our speech. It's about being wise with what we say and how we say it. That's what makes the difference. That's what turns the corner. That's what builds relationships or tears relationships down. Being wise with what you say and how you say it. But if you look at this catchphrase that we're dealing with today, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. In all reality, in my opinion, it has a couple significant problems if you try to follow this catchphrase. You know what they are? Well, the first problem is this. Who determines the standard of what is nice? Have you ever thought about that? In all honesty, who determines the standard of what is nice? Oftentimes, this catchphrase is... Our heart, in our heart, is that we don't want to hurt feelings. That's why we use this. That's why we choose to stay silent in the moments of difficulty and when we have to say hard things. And so often the fear of hurting feelings sidetracks us from speaking the truth. And we become a society that's more concerned with not hurting feelings than we are with the truth. Remember what something that Pastor Steve said last week. Impact is a place of grace built on a foundation of truth. And that's what we strive to be as a church and what we should strive to be as individuals. A place of grace built on a foundation of truth. Grace is love. Truth is guidance towards hope. You know with Thumper, in the movie Bambi, he was being honest. Bambi was just learning to walk. Bambi could not walk at this time, and he kept stumbling and falling. That's why he said what he said. So you be the judge. Should Thumper have kept his mouth shut, or could he have spoken truth in a better way? You be the judge. You know, in all honesty, because sometimes truth hurts, we just silence it. That's all we do. We don't want to bring pain into our life or others' lives, so we just silence it. But let's be crystal clear with something. Silencing truth creates more problems than the pain of telling the truth. You will create more pain and difficulty in this world by silencing truth than you will ever will by sharing truth. Truth hurts in the moment. Stings for a time. But silencing it can bring pain for all of the future and eternity. You know, a show that my wife and I tend to enjoy to catch from time to time is a show called What Would You Do? We love this show. I don't know if you've ever seen this show, but it's, it's a very interesting show that puts people in different scenarios that happen that tend to occur from time to time and they try to watch, engage, how do people react? Do people speak up? Do people walk away? How do they react in these certain, certain situations? And I often watch that show and I wonder, okay, if I'm honest with myself in that moment, what would I do? How would I respond in that situation? Because it makes a difference. You know, on top of that, recently I saw a video on the internet called the Whopper Junior Bully Special. Maybe you've seen it, if you are not, look it up. It's a very intriguing video. You see, at this particular Burger King, they were dealing with the issue of bullying. And they had these three junior high boys in the middle of the store that were staged picking on and bullying another junior high boy. And as they watched, all the customers were really doing nothing about it. And then what they did was people who would order their sandwiches, the Whopper Junior, they would smash it and break it up, wrap it up, and then give it to them. So the people would take their food, sit down at their table, open up their sandwich and see it all mashed up. And of course, being angry, they brought their burger back up to the counter and said, what happened here? And the person at the counter would simply ask them, well, did you order bullied or unbullied? And you can only imagine how much frustration this brought the customers and what they did. But the crazy thing is to bring their sandwich to the counter, they walked right past This boy being bullied. And in this video, in this study, all in all, 95% of the people reported their bullied burger. But of those, only 12% stood up for that boy who was being bullied right in front of them. I mean, who determines what's nice? Who determines what is truth? I mean, think about that. What is the standard we strive to live by? Who determines when it is right to say something and when we should just look the other way and walk away? This all boils down to a very, very important truth and, and issue and question that we all need to ask ourselves that Steve kind of laid the foundation for last week, and that is, what is love? and all of its basic understanding, what is love? Well, in the Bible, Paul provided a pretty good definition that oftentimes we hear about it, read about it in marriage ceremonies, but something we cannot overlook. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-7, through 7, Paul writes this definition for love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now it's nice and easy to use this definition in a marriage ceremony when it's easy to love the person standing across from you. But what about those people you can't stand? Those people that get on your nerves. Love is important. And what are the indicators that we see here? Patience, kindness, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It keeps no record of wrong. But did you, don't miss one of the important things of the definition of love. It rejoices whenever truth wins out. That is love. My friends, love does not equal silence. Love is not turning away when we know right is not happening, when truth is not being the standard. Love does not hold back the truth, but it is mindful in the deliverance of what is truth. It's the big difference between the two. We've come to believe that love means just be quiet if you disagree, be quiet and don't speak up, don't create an issue. That's not love. Love knows how to respond when when wrong things are happening. Truth is initiated and guides us in what we do and what we say. But what is truth? What is the standard? You see, I believe that truth is initiated with God's word. With his Bible, with what is written, and it should guide us in the standard of what is nice in our society. Look what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 to this young man named Timothy. He said, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed and used for guiding and directing and teaching and rebuking. So let me ask you a very important question. One of the most important questions you can ever ask in your life. And that is, do you believe in God's Word? Do you believe that the Bible is the truth? From cover to cover, it is the truth, and it's God's word. Do you believe that His word is infallible, which means there is no mistake in it, there's no possible or any chance of mistake in his written word. Do you believe that? You need to answer that question. I believe it is. And I believe it is the standard by what is right. And wrong in this world. I believe it is the guidebook of our life. And so it should determine what is right and wrong and be the foundation of truth how and how we apply grace. See the problem is we've been using the wrong standard of what is nice and using it to silence us when truth is taken out. You know what the other problem with this catchphrase is? The real struggle here is that our words often reveal the nature of our own heart. That's what our words reveal. Your words reveal the reality of who you are inside. We want to all pretend like no one knows what we truly believe. We want to pretend like no one knows what's truly going on inside. But what is inside of you? comes out. It is inevitable. And oftentimes the problem is not that we don't believe God's word, but that we have allowed our hearts to sour from God's word. And we've taken steps away from his truth, away from his truth, either by what we choose to do or why, or, or how we choose to respond in certain circumstances. And Jesus said this in Luke six forty five. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What we say begins with our attitude, and our attitude begins with the nature of our heart. What you bring into your life makes a significant difference of what you allow out of your life. It's huge. It makes a big difference. What do you watch on TV? What do you listen to? What do you surround yourself with? It makes a difference because it it will inevitably either bring you towards Christ or detract you away from him, and it will be what comes out of your life as well. It makes a difference. What is the focus of your heart? Where do your thoughts tend to lead you? What comes out of your mouth and your attitude is the reality of your heart? Have you thought about that? Where your thoughts regularly go? Because eventually it's going to come out of your life. Just think of the last few days. What has controlled your thoughts and your mind? And it will be the direction of your heart and soon the direction of your life. And to control our words, we need to have control of what's in us. Paul put it this way in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whether, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Where your mind goes, your heart goes. and eventually is what comes out of you. So it all begins in the battleground of our minds. Where do your thoughts go? You've got to have control of your mind. Because when our heart flies out of our mouth, and it does from time to time, in those moments of anger and disappointment and conflict, our heart just flies out of our mouth Your words, you need to know, have significant power. You have power with your words. You know what you have power that your words can do? Jot these down. The truth is the first one is to turn away wrath. Your words have the power to turn away wrath. You know, our first response in situations makes a significant difference. You've seen it happen, I'm sure, many times. You know, maybe with your spouse, in moments of arguments, when your spouse says something that may hurt your feelings or tick you off a little bit, you respond in a negative way. And then all that does is escalate the situation. You've seen it with coworkers or children or neighbors. And here's the truth. You, with your words, has the ability to either escalate it or de-escalate it. The choice is yours. Proverbs 51 puts it this way. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So what will you do with your words? Will you smash the problem or will you create more problems? You have that choice with how you respond. Your response makes a difference. You know, recently I've really been building a a good relationship, a growing relationship with an amazing uh, urban ministry called Urban Impact uh, down on the north side of Pittsburgh. And I'm sure many of you guys are familiar with it and have done things with them before. And this past week, I had the great opportunity with their leadership just to walk around and tour their facility and see what's, what's going on as their, as their events have been in progress. And it's just truly amazing and, and, and lovely to see what God is doing in the hearts and minds of these kids as they're learning different things and growing and getting opportunities in life. And in their programs on Thursday nights, they actually have a principal. And they call the principal a principal. And I love that term because their mindset is that this person is more of a mentor to these children. That's their goal. That's what they strive to do. And so when there is a troubled kid, when a kid is acting up and being bad in their classroom or whatever situation, environment they're in, and they're brought to the principal, the Prince of is trained with a very important first question. You see, our tendency when we're dealing with kids or people who are making bad choices is to quickly jump on their negative um, actions. But you know what the Prince of first question is? How are you doing? What's going on? Because they know a very fundamental truth, and that is this. With these kids, their actions is not the problem. Their actions is just the reality of an underlining thing that they're dealing with. So let's figure that underlining thing out. and Let's love them and bring healing into their their life and allow that to transform their actions. How about you? In your relationships, what if you practice that? You know, when people are not being nice, when people are doing bad things towards you or around you, rather than responding and and bringing wrath because of your words and how you responded and just escalating it, what if you just focused on, hey, what's going on? Like, seriously, how are you doing? Think about your first response. Think about how your first response makes a significant difference. The second thing that your words have power to do is to bring healing To bring healing. This is similar to to the first one. They kind of come together. But look what is written in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What if you truly took the time to understand where people are, are at, to love them, and to use your words to bring healing into their heart rather than tearing them down? Just think of what you could do. Think of how you could transform their life and transform the world. The third thing that our words have power to do—that I want to talk a bit more about—is it it has the power to build each other up. To build each other up. The apostle Paul puts it it this way in Ephesians four twenty nine: Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. You know, you and I have the ability to build people up. And we also have the ability to tear them down with our words. What do you choose to do? As a church, we're called to build each other up so that we may be a unified force for God's kingdom. And as individuals, we should be doing that. Not just building up the church, but using our words to build others up that we come into contact with. Just think of the difference that you can make if you use your words to build others up rather than tearing them down. I'm a father of three boys and I realize that my words have significant and extreme power on them. And I will tell you, there's been times that I feel I've done good and times that I've failed miserably. I know that when they fail at something, whether it's musical, sports related or academically, they are very hard on themselves. All three of them are. And by my words, I can add to their strife or I can use my words to build them up and encourage their next steps. I've been successful, and I've failed miserab- miserably. We all have. But we need to be wise with the words we use and how we use them, because it's important. It matters. It makes it different. And ultimately, every one of us will be judged by the words we choose to use Look what Jesus said in a parallel passage to Luke 6.45 when he talked about what comes out of your mouth. Jesus also added this. Let's read it all together. Uh, or let's re- read along with me. Um, in Matthew 12, Jesus said, "These A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, and listen to this, That everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. These are scary words from the mouth of the Son of God himself. And here's the reality with this. We tend to struggle with our words we use because our hearts are not conditioned towards love. Our hearts have become conditioned toward ourselves and our bad and wrong choices. And that's the reality of what Jesus is getting to. Why will you be judged by your words? Because your words reveal what's truly in your heart. You can't hide the fact, what's in you comes out. And one day we will stand before the throne of God for where our heart is at and what we revealed of our heart through who we are. How do you condition your heart? Our hearts need to be conditioned towards the love and grace that only comes through Jesus. You know, Jesus teaches us to jot this down, that we need to love people enough to say the hard things. We need to love people enough to say the hard things. And you know what that starts with? Is loving them enough to build the relationships to earn the right to say the hard things. That makes a big difference. In all reality, love learns how to navigate our words in the face of conflict. This phrase that we're dealing with, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all, has been used so often in our our society, by and large, Because we don't want to create conflict. All we want to do is try to steer away from conflict in our life. So we choose silence rather than having conflict. And that is true. Our goal in life should not be to create conflict. That shouldn't be our goal. And if that's your heart to create conflict, then you're wrong. But in life, if we strive to live within the foundation of truth, If you strive to live your life fully for Jesus, then it is inevitable you will have conflict in your life. Jesus himself said, As they have hated me, so they will hate you. My friends, following Jesus promises conflict. And also, conflict is a necessary component to the growth of any healthy relationship. You will never have a healthy relationship in your life if you don't learn how to properly deal with conflict. You see, the problem is not that conflict comes, the problem is how you deal with conflict when it comes. That's the problem. How you deal with conflict makes a significant difference. You can either use it to help the relationship grow and prosper, or you can use it to destroy the relationship. You know, Jesus, he dealt with conflict on a daily basis, and he had some wise words on how to deal with it. In Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, Jesus said this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Here's some important steps to the process of dealing with conflict in a healthy way. The very first thing is the most important step in the process of dealing with conflict in our life, and that is if you have a problem with somebody else, you go to that person directly. But sadly, too many times, we create more conflict in our life because we fail to do this step what we tend to do is not go to that person directly and we talk about them and we talk around them to other people. And we just create more and more and more conflict in our life. That is one of the most detrimental problems in churches today. Always has been. And in most families who struggle, that's the problem as well. This doesn't mean you go and you be a jerk to that person but you go and you just talk to them. Hey, this is what I feel is going on. This is what I feel is happening. This is what I feel you said to me or did to me or whatever it might be. Just talk to the person in a healthy way and work it out. And Jesus said, then if you honestly take the step and it doesn't work, the problem is still unresolved, then then he says, bring two or three witnesses. In other words, you have like a mediator there who's there to help work with you guys. Okay, this is what I'm hearing. Bill, actually, you're the jerk in this situation, whatever it might be, but to talk you through it. And if still that problem consists and it doesn't work, then it says then you go before the church, how we practice that impact. If you follow those steps, then it's a representation of our eldership that will come alongside you to work through the problem. But we need to figure out how to work through conflict in a healthy way, because in Proverbs 27, 17, It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And you know what happens when two pieces of iron uh, slice each other? It creates a spark. In order for the iron to be sharpened, sparks are necessary. In other words, if you want to be sharpened in your life and in your relationship Conflict is necessary. You will never become sharpened in your journey if you don't work through conflict. It just won't happen. But if you learn how to properly deal with conflict and you use it to better the relationships and work through them, you will see so much prosperity in your relationships than you ever had before. But what tends to happen when conflicts come is we tend to go to, one, to uh, one of two extremes. Either we use hurtful words to tear that person or others down, or we stonewall our speech and we just don't say anything, latching on to this catchphrase. But my friends, both of these extremes are absolutely wrong biblically and absolutely unhealthy if you want a real and good relationship in your life. It's just the reality. You know, here's the thing. While it is nice to be nice, and we should try to be nice, that's not our main ambition and goal. Our goal and what we are called to be is grace built on a foundation of truth. See, my friends, grace reveals God's love and truth reveals his direction towards his hope. And that's the journey that we should strive to take in what we say and how we say it. So what do your words reveal? And which path will you choose to take? Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we praise you because you are good. Lord, you have gone before us and you have made the way with your grace and with your truth. And Lord, when we use our words, it's so easy to use our words in a negative way that tears people down. But Lord, help us to follow your example and your standard in what we say and how we say it. Lord, we want your love, your grace to be revealed. And we want to be the instrument of your truth that guides towards your hope and your grace. Lord, help us to resolve conflict in our life properly. Help help us to use our words wisely that we may turn away wrath. That we may bring healing into the lives of others. And that we may build each other up for good things. Lord, we want to follow your example with our words. We thank you so much for the hope that you give us. And Lord, we just want to live within your hope all the rest of our days. It's in your name we pray. Amen.